U.S. grows, China slows, inflation in Spain drops below 2%, while inflation in Germany ticks to 6.8%. Bonds are sharply offered across the board on rising hawkish Federal Reserve bets as copper prices fall and crude oil remains stoic around the $70 per barrel level. So welcome, this is Swiss Codes Daily Market Talk. So economic data released in the U.S. yesterday further boosted the Federal Reserve hawks. That's the least we could say. The U.S. first quarter GDP was revised up from 1.3% to 2%, while analysts had penciled in an improvement to 1.4% only. The surprise jump in the U.S. GDP came from a quickened growth in the U.S. exports and in consumer spending, which jumped 4.2% in the first quarter. That's bad news for inflation. 4.2%, guys. Then corporate profits fell in the US, but they fell less than expected. And initial jobless claims fell by the most since 2021. And the only good news for the Federal Reserve and its inflation battle at yesterday's data was a slightly softer than expected core PCE figure, which actually extended to 4.9%. So that was a bit less than 5% penciled in by analysts. But the rest of the data pointed in the same direction than in the past days and weeks. The US economy seems to be doing just fine. And combined with the Federal Reserve's stress tests on banks, uh, you know, saying that the big US lenders are in a good position to actually shoulder further shocks, economic shocks like recession or uh, chaos in the real estate market, for example. Well, the US two-year yield jumped more than 3% at yesterday's trading session to 4.90%. And that was for the very first time since the mini banking crisis that we saw these levels. And the US housing data has been coming in quite strong as well recently. And as a result of all the strength in the economic data, the probability of a 25 basis point hike from the Fed in the July meeting jumped to 87%, while the pricing in the market suggests now that the Federal Reserve's two interest rate hikes are now likelier than not. Even the US 10-year yield jumped at yesterday's trading session. So, whew. And perhaps because the aggressive Federal Reserve tightening doesn't mess up with the strength of the economic data in the US, well, stock investors saw no emergency, no urgency at all in selling their stocks on rising hawkish Federal Reserve expectations yesterday on the back of strong economic data. They just stuck to the good data and bought the S&P 500. Instead, the index advanced 0.45% yesterday and closed a couple of points below the 4,400 psychological level. Nasdaq 100, on the other hand, was slightly lower, but the small caps of Russell 2000 outperformed with a 1.23% advance at yesterday's trading session. In the FX, while the US dollar index rallied passes 100-day moving average, and the index broke above a one-month descending channel top, and trends and momentum indicators in the US dollar index now turned positive, hinting that a further the advance in the US dollar is possible and looks even likely against major currencies in the run up to next week's all important jobs report from the US especially if today's PCE data which remember is the Federal Reserve's main gauge of inflation well shows further advance in the US inflation from 4.4% to 4.6%. But I just think that a further rise in US yields could still weigh on stock appetite before the weekly closing bell just 
because the Fed expectations would just go crazy in case of a higher than expected inflation report today. In the Europe, while well, investor mood was a bit trickier because listen to this. This is funny. Inflation data released this week across the Eurozone countries revealed that inflation in Italy is more than expected, even though the producer prices just didn't ease as much as expected. Inflation in Spain is below the European Central Bank's 2% policy target, so the harmonized inflation in Spain actually dropped to 1.6% in June's preliminary inflation figures, whereas inflation in Germany just ticked higher this month and higher than expected to 6.8%. Mark why? because of an unfavorable base effect from last year when Germany, the German government, offered its citizens ultra-cheap rail tickets that are no more. Now, the French and the Eurozone's aggregate preliminary inflation data for the month of June are due today, and the Eurozone's aggregate inflation is expected to show a further downside correction toward the 5.6% mark in June, and uh, I think that the divergence between Germany and others, so the inflation in Germany and others, may not be a long-term concern, and the European Central Bank will likely remain well alert and well hawkish into this summer despite the divergence because inflation risks remain to the upside and I was saying yesterday the end of the European Central Bank's cheap loans well should increase the yield spread between the eurozone's core and periphery countries especially when the inflation in Germany is higher than the others and that could weigh on the euro dollar moving forward this could be actually one of the reasons why we haven't seen the euro gain strength on the back of discouraging German inflation data at yesterday's trading session because with diminished access to cheap liquidity, to cheap loans, the hawkish European Central Bank and the rising European rates as a result of it will likely bring along some inequalities between the core and the periphery in the Eurozone again and later the divergence is negative for the Euro's valuation because it means risk for the European growth altogether. Now another reason why the Euro dollar fell yesterday was obviously the broadly better bid US dollar on the back of a strong economic data in the US. The euro dollar is now testing the 50-day moving average to the downside and if the Federal Reserve hawks continue gaining more field, which actually seems to be the most likely scenario in the next couple of sessions before next week's US jobs data, well we could actually see the pair correct deeper toward the 108-108-20 region. 820 being the 100 day moving average on the euro dollar. So that's it for Euro and the US. Elsewhere in China, well, the latest economic data didn't enchant investors much yet again. The Chinese manufacturing PMI remained below the 50 level, so in the contraction zone for the third consecutive month, and that despite the policy easing from the People's Bank of China. And nothing seems to be boosting recovery in China for now, and that's for a reason that's quite mysterious to many of us. I actually heard that there is now an increasing number of young Chinese people flocking into Starbucks and temples these days as a result of a record high unemployment for the young people which surpassed 20% in May. So that's between 16 and 24 year old Chinese who don't have a job. It proves that Xi Jinping's crackdown measures are having some long lasting effects on both consumer and investor appetite for China and no one wants to be in China 
these days. While remember, everybody just wanted to flock into China just three years ago. So in three years, everything's changed. Now the morose economic outlook for China remains very, very visible in copper prices, which have since a January peak when the world, the entire world, thought that China was back after the strict COVID measures. But unfortunately, things don't go according to the plan so far. The initial forecast for this year was a U.S. recession and Chinese recovery, but none of it is happening for now. On the contrary, the U.S. is actually growing and China is in trouble and is actually slowing. So Nasdaq's Golden Dragon Index is losing the momentum of the post People's Bank of China rate cut earlier this month. At this point, the Chinese government has no option, no choice but to regain people's and investors' confidence back if it doesn't want to become too old before becoming rich enough. But for now, it's not a win scenario. For oil, well, the morose Chinese data and morose Chinese recovery keeps oil bulls on the sidelines these days. The barrel of US crude remains offered above the $70 per barrel psychological level, but, but, but political risks in Russia are rising just too fast to be ignored by the oil bears, who therefore don't really want to take a bigger bet on the downside, because at Bloomberg, they now talk about two scenarios for Russia. They say either Russia will descend into a civil war that was similar to what happened in Libya under Gaddafi's rule and the unrest in Russia will break down the oil production and lower production will send global prices higher again. Or Putin will be replaced by someone who actually doesn't necessarily see value of Russia being part of OPEC, in which case Russia could actually boost its oil production and that could send prices, global oil prices, lower. So both bulls and bears are in wait and see mode because we don't know what's going to happen. And the US crude is ranged between the $67 and $72 per barrel range. So this is all for this week. I'm Ipek Oskar Deshkaya and thank you for joining me and thank you for all your messages. I hope this episode of Market Talk has also been helpful and insightful to you. So please do not hesitate to leave your comments, your reactions and your questions below as usual. And follow us on Instagram, on Twitter and on LinkedIn for regular market updates. And subscribe, of course, to our YouTube channel for daily market comments. I will meet you again next week. And until then, good day trading and have a lovely weekend.